0: Parents and Guardians, it's time once again for the Fearless Parenting Show. Well, hello moms, dads, and guardians. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Janine Janot. She has more than 25 years of experience working with children, teenagers, and young adults in both public and private school settings, spanning preschool through college. She holds a master's degree in psychology from The Ohio State University. And I have friends who went to that university and they get all to me if I don't say The Ohio State University. And she has a doctorate in child and developmental psychology from the University of Connecticut. Since 2010, she's been a college instructor teaching psychology courses and Freshman Seminars. She has uh, put out a new book, and uh, it's called The Disintegrating Student, Struggling But Smart, Falling Apart, and How to Turn It Around. And ladies and gentlemen, it's this book, and the title of it is why I wanted the good doctor on my podcast today. So. Without further ado, all with the show. Well, 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 welcome to another episode of Fiercely Parenting. Today I have with me Dr. Janine Janot. Doc, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your book, please.
1: I'd love to. Thanks for having me, Stan. I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, this is what I'm passionate about, helping our kids So I myself am a mom of three, um, more in the later stage. My oldest is 25 and my youngest is 18, just off to college this year, these past few months. I know. Um, But having, you know, my the reason I wrote the book and I do what I do is because I saw my three kids were elementary school, middle school and high school when I started teaching college. So I had this incredible bird's eye view of education and how our kids were reacting to education these days. So I was seeing it, the anxiety, the stressors, the high stakes achievement culture playing out as early as, you know, the early elementary school grades. And then I was seeing the end result in my students in college who were overwhelmed, um, lacking a lot of skills they should have had lacking a lot of learning that should have been there. So I was teaching like introductory, um, introductory psychology courses. And I had a lot of students who came in having just come out of AP psych in high school, scoring a four or five on the exam. And they didn't remember anything. It was like, it was all new to them. So this was so concerning. Um, And again, just seeing the whole through line of what was going on. And so in helping my college students, I decided to start a uh, academic coaching business. So I, I coach students on like a lot of the skills and strategies and a lot of the other stuff that's um, problematic for them right now. And when I started doing the coaching, I started coming across uh, these kinds of students who I ended up calling disintegrating students, really high achieving kids who start to struggle. And that's why I ended up writing the book, because I just felt like the pieces of the puzzle needed to be laid out in a way that parents and educators, you know, all the stakeholders could kind of see, wow, in in a nutshell, here's what's going on and why it's happening, and maybe some ideas about what we need to be doing next to help our kids.
0: Well, it seemed like your book is giving uh, parents and guardians uh, road markers, you know, hey, potential danger ahead, or maybe, you know... <laughs> You, you need to yield right now or or it's, hey, mm-hmm. it's time to put a stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the most of the readers of my book are are parents of middle school and high school kids. And that's predominantly, I work with middle school, high school and college kids. So, but they're usually in the struggle by the time they're reading the book. And so, you know, I would love for more parents of younger kids to read it because it's kind of like, here's the culture, the academic culture they're coming into and the potential pitfalls and what might help ahead of time to know. So it's not that I wish I would have known or I wish I would have done differently kind of um, feeling that we get as parents so often when we only find that information out when we're in the middle of the struggle.
0: Well, in, in looking at your bio and your book, what are the things I came away with And before I jump off into that, before we start this interview, I I told you about a young man who was a a, a scholar student. I mean, just scored off the charts, but ended up in a gang. And and you wonder how something like that can happen. And tying that in with something that I, I saw in your information how children can be ninjas at hiding their true feelings. And how to improve communications, because in that situation, as well as others out there, something got lost in the mix. Uh, like Maxwell says, everybody communicates, but not everybody connects. So how can we find out about these true feelings and, and how can we make better connections in our communication?
1: That's such an important question. Um, and I think the the ninja piece of it is so true because our, our kids are there, our kids are telling us everything we need to know. They are trying to communicate with us, but I think oftentimes as parents and as adults, we're missing the signals or we're misinterpreting. Um, and we end up shutting down conversation in, in well intentioned. We're trying to have a good okay. conversation with them. Well, uh, So, parents, our kind of go-to is we want to be helpful. So, if our kid comes to us with an issue, or if they're angry, or they're kind of spouting off about something, I know my I'm a problem solver, and my go-to brain is like, "Well, did you try this? Have you done this? Be sure you try this. Do this." (laughs) You know, it's that I, my fifty-seven-year-old brain knows pretty much what you need to do here to take care of this situation, and. That is not,
0: I I mean, I got you, (laughs) daughter. I got you. Just do this, this, and this. I'll get it again. Go ahead.
1: Mm -hmm. But that's not what they want. That is actually the opposite of what they want because what we're doing is we're shutting them down. What they want is to be heard with empathy, for us to listen, kind of to zip it, let them, we are the safe place for them to kind of vent. Anger, frustration, disappointment, vulnerability, all the things that it's too scary out there in the world to dump that stuff. But we are the safe spot. And if we shut them down, even though it's well-intentioned, we're trying to help. We think they need a solution they really that's not what they're looking for. They really want to be heard. They want us, you know, non-judgmentally, no problem solving. And the way we demonstrate to that that to them is first of all zip it, you know, so that we're actually letting them talk. And then when we do talk, we need to be careful not to be defensive like if they're saying if it's about us, you know, a lot of times in our head we're listening with our rebuttal. <laughs> but what we need to do is just reflect back what we've heard from them so that we get that feedback. Oh yeah, Mm. that's what I'm saying. Or no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Um, And then we need to go back to listening again. And that's how we show our kids um, that we care. And and it's just, it's a very supportive place. And just that venting, just that ability to communicate in that safe place. A lot of times those kids, what seems like a huge problem once they do that they kind of go on with their lives, and as parents, we're kind of held standing yeah. there, holding the the you know the trauma they just off.
0: Oh yeah, um, put on us, but yeah. Child, you you just at certain times you just want to hug them. You want to you want to ease them of that hurt. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, it'd be better to say, "Hey, listen, th- th- this is what I heard from you." All right, you know, let Daddy, let Mama know if if I heard this right. One, did make that point. Two, did make that point. No, no, that's not what I was saying. Okay, they, they restate it for me so that I can understand it. I, I, I didn't get it. It's not that I'm trying. I, I didn't want to get it. So just say it again because I do want to get it and then have them say that. Uh, you know, I recall my daughter one time, she she dinged her car and she came to me and, and she's telling me all about it and everything. And I said, Okay, so uh, what did you learn from that? What did you get out of this situation? Where do you want to go from this point? As she said, "It it shocked her because she thought that I was going to blow blow up." I said, "Well, you know, you're the you're an adult now. You know, uh, you what what it, what is it that you want to do about this?" if anything at all. And and, uh, so then you can have a conversation because I heard you use the word coaching. I love that. Uh, uh, And I love being a coach because a lot of times I find they actually have the answers. They just don't know it yet.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and when we give them that opportunity to find the answers, they have control Mm -hmm. and control is the secret Mm -hmm. sauce to helping our kids today really is um, it's, it's one third of what motivation looks like in human beings. So for, for us as human beings to be motivated, we need to feel autonomy. We need to feel in control of the situation. We need to feel like we're competent, like we can actually do it and we need to feel connected. And that, you know, think about our students. Those three things are oftentimes all missing, which explains a lot of why their motivation is so low.
0: Okay, now, moms and dads, let's give it up for Dr. Janine. She presented us with a lot of good information today, and she most definitely spoke from her heart. And that's only part one of a three-part interview with the good doctor. So please be back for part two and three, and check out the podcast description where you'll find a link to her book, and to her website see you again for episode two